What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, becoming a patient, we have brand new telehealth patient options open right now. And you can learn about the books, more about the podcast. We have tons of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And today was super exciting. In between consulting patients online, I got a package in the mail from my publishers at Penguin Random House, Goop Press, Rodale, the first full finalized version of Gut Feelings, my fourth book. It's for pre-order right now. It's about to be released and we're giving away so much free stuff when you pre-order Gut Feelings. The subtitle, to give you context for the book, it's Healing the Shame-Fueled Relationship Between What You Eat and How You Feel. So I'm really exploring the exciting science around things that I see play out in patients' lives all the time. Things like chronic stress and shame and trauma and the fascinating science of intergenerational trauma and how these sometimes obscure or these mental, emotional, spiritual things, these abstract things sometimes, how they could literally be stored in our cells, impacting methylation, impacting the gut-brain axis, raising inflammation levels, dysregulating our nervous system, hormones, and so much more. And then conversely, how underlying gut problems and things like SIBO and histamine intolerance and mold toxicity, the, the gut stuff, if you will, the physiological stuff will impact our feelings. So it's called Gut Feelings. I'm exploring both the gut and the feelings, the physical and the mental, emotional, spiritual, and the bi-directional relationship between mental health and physical health. It is, I out of all the books I've written so far, it's my favorite and it's for pre-order right now. And to see the physical copy of it is so freaking exciting for myself. So when you pre-order it, we're giving away, you get access to a three-week online live mastermind with myself, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Nicola Perra, who actually wrote the foreword of the book, The Holistic Psychologist on Instagram, and Dr. Daniel Amen. Where you get free downloads right away that are complimentary, uh, that are sort of companions to the book. And what else? You get also going to get discount codes for all the, these exciting things we have coming up. So become a Gut Feelings Insider right now for free when you pre-order Gut Feelings. And we're giving away free signed books Every month, no matter when you listen to this episode, whenever you rate and review The Art of Being Well on Apple Podcasts. So head on over to Apple Podcasts, tell us what you love about the show, and you can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or take a screenshot of your Apple Podcast review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And again, every month, my team and I will be randomly picking winners, going through the messages on Instagram, as well as looking at all the Apple podcast reviews. All right, good luck. 
All right, let's get to today's guest. Her name is Carson Meyer. I have loved her work for years. I'm really excited to share it with you today on the podcast. Carson is a birth doula and founder of Sea and the Moon, which has a cult following. You're going to learn about it today. Carson started making skincare products in her kitchen in Malibu as a young girl. Her mother, an environmental activist, was aware of the lack of regulation of personal care products in the United States and knew that endocrine disruptors and other toxic chemicals were widely used in skincare. As she grew up, she steered away from conventional mass-produced makeup and nail polish. Instead, Carson and her family made their own in the kitchen with natural and organic ingredients. All that home experimentation led her to create her first product, the Malibu Made Body Scrub. Since inception, Sea in the Moon has become a coveted product from celebrities like Kim Kardashian, Mandy Moore, and January Jones. Carson continues to grow awareness for Sea in the Moon while also actively serving as a birth doula. Let's get right to it. This is Carson Myers' Art of Being Well. Carson, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my goodness. We're going to learn so much from you today. But I, at first, I want to kick it off with you were you is it true or not dispel this rumor if it is that you were named after rachel carson is that true it is true i mean it's definitely i think it was an inspiration for my mom specifically she always loved her books and my mom has been very involved in environmental work since i was born did do you i don't know if you know this or not do you know rachel carson is from pittsburgh like probably 15 minutes from where i'm from where i'm I recording did, right I, mean, now. I didn't know 15 minutes from you but i knew <laughs> you were from pittsburgh so cool i mean i the more and more, you know, my mom would always mention it. And I was like, okay, okay. Then as I got older, I was like, this is just the best namesake of all time. Because I love that. So okay, maybe that's a good place to start. So maybe for people that don't know who Rachel Carson, Carson is, can you talk about who she was and why she's such an inspiration for you in the work that you're doing now? Yeah. So Rachel Carson was a writer. I mean, I think she would consider herself a, a poet, you know, a, a, her writing is so beautiful, just on its own, but she's also a biologist, environmentalist, and really one of the first leading voices in the conversation. And specifically her book, Silent Spring, was credited to for advancing the envir environmental health movement, specifically around toxins in like the 50s or 60s. Like she talked about bioaccumulation, things that we know now, you know, why we are careful not to eat too much tuna, right? And that, she talked about DDT and how Sure, we might just be killing pesky mosquitoes, but ultimately the way that, you know, we, the, the food chain works, the bigger you are on the food chain, the bigger the burden and that's us. Mm -hmm. So that I think is, you know, I, I, her work is beautiful. I think she's one of the, there, there's many people like this, but really I think one of the first female voices that woven the, the beauty of nature through her writing. It wasn't just like dense scientific texts. I think it could really reach people through just how beautifully she wrote and her love of nature. And then as I became a doula, I started to see that, you know, Rachel Carson, even though she, I don't, you know, is not often considered somebody who was in the maternal health field, but I do think that her contribution to environmental health is one of the greatest con contributions we have to prenatal health in the last hundred years. Yeah. Wow. It's, I'm so glad that you made that link and, Let's go there, but let's maybe first with talking about, you mentioned becoming a doula. Can you talk about that journey and maybe defining that? Maybe people aren't even aware of that phrase. I mean, I am, I use it, we used one for both of our births of our babies, but can you go back to like what a doula is and for your journey personally, how did you get into this space? Yeah, so I'll try not to take up too much time, but I, I do think that it really began at my mother's birth of me. I mean, I don't remember it, but I, I do believe ourselves remember birth and that we have a maybe unconscious memory of it stored in our body. And the way that I always heard my birth story was born in the early nineties, which cesarean rates were starting to really raise and were at all time high and continue to be at that time. And I was born via cesarean and my mom had a lot of intentions around, I think, how she wanted to be treated, how she wanted to approach the birth. And, you know, my dad was 
as an amazing dad, the best and so well-intended, but really not equipped (laughs) to be that support person, that advocate for her. And this, this space wasn't hers. You know, she had so many guests and friends and people coming by and then was really at the mercy of all the, the doctors to kind of come up with the best course of action for my birth. And so I always heard the story and it felt really scary. It felt really powerless. It felt disempowered. And even though she spoke so highly of the day, I knew that I knew that something was missing in the support for her and that that came in between our relationship as mother and child in the birth process because everybody else's feelings and fears were kind of imposed on that experience. And so kind of going back and doing my own work around it, that's something that's come up. And I think our births make us who we are in a big way. And so there's that. But then, of course, I lived you know, 22 years of my life having no idea what a doula was and actually feeling really disconnected to birth. Like I was one of those, I I loved my dolls and things like that, but I was always like, how can anyone mother, like, this is not going to be for me. This is too big. This is crazy. And I had, I think like most of us, a really big fear around it. And I realized it's because we have sex ed. We're taught to be terrified of getting pregnant, you know, for good reason that, you know, maybe a young age when you're not ready. And then no one helps you unlearn that right? Mm. Like we never have a class later on. That's like, okay, now that we scared you out of being pregnant at a young age when you didn't want to, let's talk about how you can do it healthily and empowered and, you know, feel good about it and reclaim that strength around it and not this victimhood in it. And so I never got that class. I don't think any of us do unless we seek it out. And I saw the business of being born, that documentary. Amazing film. Yes. So good. I was in college and I was a wreck. I cried for hours. And I remember both my sisters had kids at the time. They're a little bit older. And I called them and I was like, oh my God, you did this? Like, you know, I'd never seen footage of birth. I was so disconnected as a young woman in our culture from the process. And I was so blown away. I'd like see a woman on the street and I would just be like in awe of her body and her. And like, I was like, why is this kept from me? My sisters were convinced something else was going on because they're like, nobody cries like this <laughs> Very clear documentary. Like, what is going on? Are you okay? Do we need to fly out to New York? I'm like, no, I just, you know, they're like, I think this might be a special calling because, you know, not everyone reacts this way. And so from then on, I was really taken aback. I was acting at the time. I was really exploring this like mind-body connection idea and health through, you know, the, the, the ways that we alternative medicine, you know, complementary medicine. And I felt there were a lot of tie-ins to that. I met a midwife at a bar, like at a birthday (laughs) bar. I stalked her all night. I was just, it was the first person that wasn't my gynecologist who caught babies and got to do that work. And and I started, did my training the next morning because I was like, wow, I'm going to just follow this. I feel so drawn to it. So that's my long kind of story. You know, I think we all are where we are for so many different reasons. Yeah. It sounded like a joke for a second. The doula and the midwife walk into a bar. And- <laughs> totally. And we were, we're dear friends now, but we always joke. She was like, I'm off duty. I just want to drink. And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> the placenta is coming out. <laughs> Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. And if you're my patients, if you're one of my telehealth patients that listen to the podcast, you know, I love Athletic Greens. Many of our patients take it because I'm always talking about it. With just one scoop, you can get the nutrients and gut health support that helps your body thrive wholly and covers your nutritional basis. It's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients that deliver benefits like mood support, brain support, immune system support, sleep support, sustained energy throughout the day, and so much more. I honestly, I like that AG1 is delivered monthly, so I don't have to think about it. It's just there, and it's something, one thing that I can do every day to support my wellness. I also get the travel pack, so I don't have to miss a day. So when I'm traveling for work or with my family, I love it because I can put the travel packs in my carry-on luggage and it's so convenient. Plus it tastes great. I just mix it with the water or you can blend it into a smoothie as well and you can feel good knowing that you've taken care of your health. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and believe me, I'm looking at labs all day long. That's my job. And vitamin D deficiency is 
ubiquitous. And they're going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and also five free of those travel packs I was talking about with your first purchase. So go to athleticgreens.com slash Will Cole. That's athleticgreens.com slash Will Cole. Check it out. Hey guys, I'm Kinsey from the I Love You So Much podcast. On my show, we talk about everything, lifestyle, business, finance, beauty, you name it. My favorite part about the show is the amazing guests that we bring on. We have everyone ranging from like business experts to influencers, CEOs, creative masterminds. It's so much fun. If you guys want to find me on Instagram, it's just at Kinsey Elizabeth. I release new episodes every Thursday, so hope to see you there. So, I mean, we watched that documentary back in the day, you and I, The Business of Being Born. But, and obviously that film has to be close to 20 years old at this point, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, around there. Like 15, yeah. 15, yeah. Okay, so 15, 16 years old. A lot probably has even changed since then in the conventional world of of giving birth. Can you shed some highlights on what you've learned over the years? And maybe people, they're not even aware that there is a different choice, that they have a choice when it comes to giving birth. But what's the state of, why would somebody want to consider a midwife, a doula, and kind of having those options within their healthcare? Yeah. I mean, I do think that film has, we have to thank for so many so much progress, but you know, I, I don't think progress is linear as you know, in your field, right. It's like yeah. we make big leaps forward and then go back. And so I think there's, there's a lot of that where like, yes, that film has done so much to make things better, but then we've also kind of moved back in, in other areas, but just to answer your question, why, I mean, starting with, you know, if you're going through kind of the standard obstetric model, you really get, you're lucky if you get 15 minutes per visit with your OB and again, this is not because they're bad or not good at their job or evil. Like there's, it's the way the system's designed. I think it's why so many are drawn to, you know, your work as well. It's, it's personalized attention that mm-hmm. is, I think what really does make a healthy pregnancy. It's not the tests that we do over and over again. It's not the ultrasound. It's getting to know somebody. It's mm-hmm. understanding the, the, the individual and we, not everyone has that luxury in the United States. Midwifery care certainly allows for more of that. It's more affordable. It's something that, you know, you, with my midwives, I get an hour at least. And they want to they wanna know more than my weight and height. You know, they want to know about what's going to maybe come up at the birth. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, it's a, like a more holistic, for the most part, care model. And midwives are different than, than doulas. But having a doula I wouldn't say it replaces that at all. And I think having a a good support from your OB or midwife is crucial, but even just having as a doula, having somebody throughout pregnancy who can help you answer some of those questions that you're not coming around to, who can help you understand the many choices you have. And ultimately I find my biggest and most important job is just reminding women and parents that they have the choice because they're often not even told that. So there's choices to be made, but just coming back to this idea that there is just, just the fact that you have choice is the one thing to, to really hold on to. And then in the birth, as the business of being born does such a great job of pointing out in a hospital birth, there are so many other factors, whether it's insurance companies, policy, the standard of care, right? So just how the other doctor down the hall <laughs> operates and not these are not always adding up to what the evidence is showing us. And so we don't practice obstetrics in our country um, based on evidence-based care most of the time. And that really surprises my clients to know because we assume what our doctors recommend is the current evidence. It takes, what, 15 years for evidence to come into practice, sometimes more. And these other factors, liability, they, they have a huge influence on how we approach it. So that's something else, like having helping my clients to navigate their options and just know that some of the things that are presented to them might not be in their best interest. Yeah, certainly. And I know I, I'm sure the, there could be data around this. I'm not aware of it yet, but I know I could tell you anecdotally what I've heard from hundreds of people over the years is that recovery tends to be a lot faster for women that tell me, okay, I've had hospital births and I've birthed at home with a midwife. And I know that you can 
also yeah. birth at birthing centers and hospitals with midwives and doulas as well. But really a, a, a conversation around at-home births or birthing centers, do you find that to be the case as well, that people tend to have a faster recovery? At home? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a, a few reasons for that. I think one is when you give birth in a hospital, you have, you leave, you know, the day or two after, and then in six weeks, you come up for back for a checkup. That usually looks like the doctor saying, you're cleared to have sex, you know, at six weeks. And do you want to go on birth control pills? And good luck, congrats, you know, no major prolapse or anything like that. Whereas with midwifery care, you're, you're having visits throughout that fourth trimester to help catch things ahead of time, give good recommendations for how to care for your body. I and mean, we've completely dropped off this fourth trimester, which is equally as important as all the other trimesters for mom and baby and for the lifetime health of mom and baby. So I think there's that. I think, you know, the use of medication, which I think epidurals can be a wonderful tool for those who want it, but just like any medication, there are a lot on the body. And so not only is one recovering from the major hormonal shifts of birth, but also detoxing what is mostly fentanyl used now in, in an epidural. And so I think there's, I think there's that. I think there's the exhaustion of being woken up by the nurses on their clock <laughs> throughout, you know, the the postpartum period. So there's a diff- there's a few factors. And I think to what you said, I don't know if there's studies on this, and I'm sure for some, being in the hospital is more comfortable for, you know, depending what their home life is for, but. I think there's nothing like being in your bed already mm-hmm. when you're, you know, yeah. you're already home. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, like how, and if, if maybe, but how, or if your work as a doula, how has that informed your own pregnancy journey? And I feel so grateful. I think if I wasn't a doula, it would have been such a different experience for me. I mean, I know that I definitely have a tendency to be anxious and to want to, you know, clearly want to know everything. And I think that's why I became a doula is because I had this fear that I think so many of us have around what happens to your body and the whole journey. And my reaction to that was to want to learn as much as I could, because I was like, I can't accept this is, (laughs) this is how it is. That it's this Hollywood depiction of a scary, gruesome, awful, painful experience. And so I, I do feel like the past six years of my work has been also like preparation for me. And now that I've arrived here, I had no idea what it would be like for myself, but I feel very lucky that there's been very little anxiety because, and I I think of all of my supported hundreds of mothers at this point and every single day, I'm like, just so grateful for them because I've learned so much through them. And I know that each of their journeys has been made such a positive impact in my life and allowed me to go on this journey with so much knowledge and feeling the support of all the women who have come before me. So I, I feel that I think I also know what good care looks like. And I think that's something that so many of us have never seen before because we're just used to that 15 minute, if you're lucky (laughs) visit, but really getting to see midwifery care up close and know you know, that this is, this is an option and this is something I deserve and I can seek out has made a huge difference in my pregnancy. And, and again, like not having to do a lot of the research in my pregnancy, but knowing ahead of time, these big words and terms and ideas and options. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Do you feel like the, I mean, I've watched the industry of home births, midwifery my whole life really. And I, I feel like it's changed. Um, my kids are a little bit older now, so maybe I'm, I'm looking at it a bit less and you know, I'm focused on my clinic and I'm not really in that world as much. But do you feel like, do you, does the industry, does your world still get pushback from people or is it more widely accepted? I think there's more, it's more accepted maybe than ever before. Being in LA was different. I think home birth is a lot more popular in LA. Now that I live in North Carolina, it's actually highly regulated out here. Mm. And midwifery, direct entry midwifery, professional midwifery is not legal. It's not recognized. So you have to come through the hospital as a nurse, which is not the case in other states. And so to me, that, that, what that means is midwifery is not legal because midwifery mm-hmm. was never supposed, you know, that is a way of being a midwife. Absolutely. But it's not a requirement for practicing as a great midwife. And so I think out here, it's a little different and it's harder to come by. 
when there's certainly still shadows where um, midwifery's not being supported. So I do think we have a long way to go for it to be fully embraced. But I, I think it's the concept of home birth is certainly more not popular, but understood. And I think that has a lot to do with the business of being born. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting when you look at a state like California and all other areas, most of the other areas that that would be the more accepted like I know you, you would think North Carolina would be like less regulated in that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. I know and it's it's confusing and I mean look it comes down to there's so many issues and they all contradict each other but the south is certainly not leading in women's health but True. It leads more in the letting people do what they want <laughs> and leaving people except when it comes to women's alone, But when it comes to women, they're not really great at that. And so it's, it's interesting that, you know, California being one of the states that is just, yeah, tends to be more, I think, progressive when it comes to women's health issues. I think there's also a, a deep history and dark history of the South with the granny midwives, the, the black midwives who came from the slave boats in Africa, who were the, they carried this wisdom around mm. birth and they actually helped to safely birth so many white women and, and, or white children and black children in the South for so right. many years. And I do think that some of these laws, you know, been many, many, many years, but do come from that racism and that desire to kind of invalidate these granny midwives who have more wisdom than we could ever imagine around physiological birth. Oh my goodness. I, of course, that makes complete sense when you look at the history of this. What, are there any movements? I'm sure there are movements to have that change so people can have choice within their, their healthcare. It's interesting when I, when I moved here, I really looked into that and I, I think there, there is absolutely, but there's also, it's, it's complicated as well because when midwifery is regulated, there's also a lot of rules. And, and in California, for example, you can't go past 42 weeks with a midwife. You can't deliver a breach or twins. And there's these laws that are intended to, I think, make midwifery safer, but they also come in between the patient client relationship and really come in between informed consent, in my opinion. So mm -hmm. I do think that actually some people, even though there's risks and it's less accessible, some midwives actually do prefer to not be regulated mm -hmm. by the state because it really allows them to practice fully with autonomously and yeah. to give their clients true care as it was intended. Yeah. Well, very good points. Great points. So like, can we pivot now to what was the inspiration behind Seeing the Moon? You're doing amazing things with that brand. What was the genesis of it? Okay. So this, as I mentioned, my mom was in, involved in the NRDC specifically in environmental health. And she, I remember one day she had Ken Cook over from the EWG and there was a, a lunch at the house. I was very young and they were all talking about skincare products and deodorant. And, you know, this was so new. This was 15 plus years ago. And so she was, I was so lucky that she learned when, when I was young about toxins and skincare products. And so I was never really allowed to play with makeup. I remember getting in a lot of trouble. I never, they weren't like the parents that grounded you or stuff like that, but like one of the worst things I could do was paint my nails in an unventilated room. Like <laughs> she would come in and be like, "Are you crazy? The windows are closed. Like you're going to kill yourself." So from that, we started making a lot of our own products because she had this information. And so one of the products that were just you know things we came up with was the Malamade body scrub, and this was mostly ingredients from my pantry. I always had very sensitive, dry skin, and you know we I just it was something that worked for me. I would gift it to friends and family and it wasn't until I moved to New York and went through my first winter, my skin was destroyed, my like, Malibu Beach Rose skin, but I really relied on this formula that we'd come up with. And then people back in LA were having me ship it to them in bulk. And my little brother went to USC and he found that the boys, like the football boys were stealing his, these were like packaged in pickle jars, like old, you know, mason <laughs> jars, was stealing the jar from his room and he find it in the shower. And he's like, call me. He's like, Chris, I think, you know, all these guys love, love your scrub. I think you're onto something. So I started selling it on Instagram. It did well. And 
in 2018, I actually took it to a facility and properly manufactured it, not no longer in use pickle jars. <laughs> and that's where Sea in the Moon came to be. I love that. So, and I, what I've heard is that it has quite the cult following, even in the Hollywood world. And I know some of the listeners are interested in that sort of things. I mean, who, who are like the names of people that are just obsessed with your stuff? Yeah. So it was January Jones when I was just selling on Instagram. Like I was going to Whole Foods buying the ingredients and making it in my kitchen. And January posted, I didn't have a label, trademark, anything. January Jones posted a picture of her in the bath with the product, which was so exciting. But I was also like, shit, like (laughs) now I'm going to have to like sell this. I literally, I don't have a name, a trademark, anything. (laughs) She, I really, you know, I, I'm so grateful for. And I always say like, that was such a catalyst for me. Cause I think had that not happened, I would have just still been selling a few a week on Instagram, but I was like, okay, like this is getting press and this is like, I have to, <laughs> to do this right. So that was, that was huge. And then I will never forget being in Hawaii and just seeing like, you know, my, it was like first year business and like sales just start to skyrocket. I was like, what's going on? And Kim Kardashian posted, this is the best scrub ever. And that was really exciting because that got a lot of organic press. And so, you know, I just brought on PR really last year, but for years it was really organic through that kind of like celebrity following. Paltrow has since been so supportive and recently posted it's like in her, you know, favorite products in her shower. And so there's been, been very lucky to have that organic support from women, Tracy Anderson, who I'm just, you know, just love so much. And is there anybody with like better skin and hotter body than Tracy? And she's always <laughs> saying that that's part of her routine. So that's been you know, so supportive. I love it. Well, you know, if GP loved it, it's, it's gotta be good. Oh my she God. Has, I know. I'm like, she's high standards. She's uh, high, standards. high standards. Also just her like turning 50. I can't believe it. She's oh, like, doing amazing. Just every every year, every day, I'm just like, you're more, more and more beautiful. She's and Benjamin Button. She's reversing. She really is. <laughs> <laughs> so That's funny. She listens to the podcast, so she, she'll, she'll be loving this right now. So talk about the ingredients in skincare, because I think a lot of people feel like, oh, they eat super clean, but then they're using just junk on their skin. Can you make that connection with that's going in their body too? What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, so... It's a connection for all of us, but I think specifically in my dual work and seeing the moon is not just for mothers. It's, I always wanted to keep it a a product for men, women, you know, people of all ages and stages of life, because it's funny. We, during pregnancy, hopefully, you know, ideally we're a little bit more precious and people start to think about products and they're reading ingredients and they're like, what's good for the baby. But I always say like, you know, we don't exist in this vacuum of nine months. Mm-hmm. Your pregnancy is your whole life before you. Right. Your mother, you're you're living in the womb of your grandmother. If you're, you know, a girl. If you're, yeah, that's you're the egg of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, saying. yeah. <laughs> your egg is in your grandmother. Right. Through your mother, we're learning now about sperm. Right, like that. You're the greatest indication of your sperm health is what happens in utero. So I really, you know, I love this idea that this isn't just like a clean pregnancy line. This is a for everybody at all stages because we really should be approaching, I think, our health in that way, not for one period of our life, but for the whole picture. And we're we're learning that babies are born with about 200 man-made chemicals in their cord blood, and this is mostly stuff that we see in skincare. We're I think we have like 10 ingredients banned in the US. Yeah can't be used in skincare. So it's, it's really the wild west. We can't, and I think like most other agencies, it's not just in skincare, but we can't really trust these corporate owned <laughs> agencies to, to protect us. And so it, it has to come down. I think it's a really exciting time because there are so many really trustworthy, wonderful brands who are creating great alternatives, but our skin's our largest organ. And I think when you work with babies and newborns and you are familiar with the concept of skin to skin, you know that there's like a, a lot of communication, a lot of juices that are being shared. The microbiome is it's all happening through that skin connection. The smells we are exposed to, these aren't just things that 
are separate from us. We are part of our environment. And so what we are putting in and on us, what what's in our water system, what we, you know, are flushing down the shower, what we're packaging in. I think it's all, it's all one. Yeah. What are some of the hero ingredients? What are the, some of the things that you use in the formulas and like maybe some special ones that, it, that are near and dear to you? Yeah. So I, for me, like sourcing organic oils is important. And I know people are like, why, why does it matter for skincare? You know, I, maybe I eat organic, but I'm not going to waste money on organic skincare. But again, largest or, organ absorbed through the body. But also it's important to me to support organic farming and to know that it's not just what we're putting inside of us, but what's going into our environment. And I think the sooner we start, we have to stop separating ourselves yeah. from that bigger picture. So there's, we have organic coconut, almond, hoba, sea buckthorn, castor oil, olive oil, and then the brown sugar and the scrub is just so like, yeah, I mean, like we found the perfect consistency where it's a good exfoliator, but not too rough, very hydrating. And then I love the vanilla because it allows people to really have that yummy scent, but fragrance is one of the worst elements usually of skincare. It's because of trade secret laws. You can really put whatever in fragrances. It's something that's been strongly protected for a very long time. And so it's really hard, even as a manufacturer, to figure out what is going to be in that fragrance. And so I opted for a food grade vanilla because it was a way for me to know and my customers to know that it was safe enough to eat. And so that, I think that's what people really love about the product is how yummy it smells. Yeah, it's great. Well, I mean, do you have anything else planned? Is there any secrets you can reveal on the podcast with what you have planned? Maybe upcoming product uh, reveals? Well, I have so many plans in the future. It's it's very small. You know, it's me and just now I'm starting to grow. And now that I'm going to be taking my own time with maternity, I have for the first time like a team, which is so exciting. And I've thought a lot about more launches. I've always envisioned the the line to be just the basics and the necessities. And it's a lot of two in one because I think like in minimizing waste, I'm also the most, I have to admit, my friends who know me are like, how did you end up with a skincare line? You barely <laughs> wash your face. <laughs> like I am the most low maintenance, least skincare routine girl in the world. So I like that. It's just kind of the, you know, the core product, yeah. but will absolutely grow. But for now I'm, I'm trying to do the slow, the slow grow and, and not have to take on more investment by just kind of managing it now. So it'll be down the line. I would love to do things that are more specific, especially now being pregnant. I've been inspired by like belly butters, which is maybe a hint of something that could be to come. And then hair care, I think is also something that I am passionate about, but that that's a long way down the line. I love it. Well, I mean, look, I think you, you're staying true to what your ethos is, which are the essentials, which are, are things that are needle movers for you. You don't need tons of stuff to be have really healthy skin and nourishing your body. Yeah. I think so much of that is, is our consumer culture, you know, and I get mm -hmm. it having a business, you have to stay relevant and have the new thing and the next thing. But I think there's, there's other ways to do it too. Sometimes. Absolutely. Well, especially if you have really quality results, you, it's about quality, not necessarily quantity, but you'll have such a massive following over those few hero products. Yeah. Yeah, there's sure. been amazing brands who have really paved the way recently and been yeah. the first to like sell their company on a single scale. Yeah, right. I know it's done. I mean, even if you look at, and I don't, I'm not an expert in this space at all, but Vintner's daughter, I think, is a good example yeah. of that. They have a few set things and they've stunned, stayed true to their ethos. And I think there's other brands like that that have a cult following off of a few SKUs. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. So you mentioned moving to to North Carolina. How has life been? I mean, you're talking about a Malibu girl now living <laughs> in the mountains out of outside of Nashville. What's yeah, that like? Mountain mermaid up here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I love Malibu is just the most special. I miss the ocean and I, I feel so fortunate to have grown up out there. But yeah, we were living in LA and I that's where I was born and raised. Family's all there. And I was like, oh, we're never leaving pandemic hit. And I think, you know, like the rest of the world, we were like, wait, we want to want more space. We want to buy a home. We want to raise a family and clean air. I think that one year with the fires really spooked us. I mean, we went through the Woolsey fire, which was terrifying, but even the air quality of the fires up North 
And so we did a lot of research about kind of where there would be water, cleaner air, more land, more kind of flexibility and community. And it, it brought us here. I mean, we're outside of Asheville, which has amazing restaurants, really cool music and art scene, but we're up in the mountains that almost 5,000 feet elevation, just looking over the Blue Ridge. And it's a very different lifestyle, but I can't imagine it. Like there's no better place to have been spending a pregnancy. I feel like I'm on a pregnancy retreat with stress. My nervous system just, I mean, everything was able to relax. I think getting out of LA yeah, for me. Yeah. I mean, there's something magical about that the mountain range there, I, we start, you know, we've talked about this before we started recording, but it is something otherworldly yeah. as far as the the mist on the mountains and like driving through the mist. And I've been, I've never been to somewhere like that before at the, the those, that mountain range specifically is something beautiful. Yeah. You see why so much great music has been inspired by these yeah. mountains. It's yeah. really it's like waking up in heaven. We we're above the clouds. And so some days I'll send you a picture, like you wake up and it's like a, we call it the lake, but it's all clouds and you can't this see the town below, just the top of the mountains peeking through. And it's, it it's is. Cloud. And the climate's basically a rainforest, right? I mean, it's like a. Considered a temperate rainforest. Yeah. My mom has a biodynamic farm out in Malibu and very lucky to like be raised on homegrown food, but I would try in Topanga where I was living <laughs> I killed everything. And then I came out here and I was like, oh my God, I can, I can garden because it's just, the plants are so happy. They have so much moisture where you realize we're living in a desert in California. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's very like there's humidity, there's, which is a whole other thing. Cause I'm so paranoid about mold, which I know you know, yes. you know a lot about. And yeah. so that's like the new thing is, wait, okay, we have to take actually some humidity out of the home. But yeah, it's, it's like the plants, the trees, you can tell they're just happy. It rains all the time. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever made it to the Biltmore estate? It's pretty crazy. I haven't been over there, but I hear they have the most incredible greenhouse. They do. I mean, it's a massive ground of plants for sure. And it's, I believe it's the largest private residence home in the United States. So the, the Vanderbilts live there. A pretty crazy part of the Gilded Age history of our country. Yeah. And a fun health fact, this was actually where they sent people with tuberculosis. Gerald actually died here in a, in a home because the air was so clean and so humid, this became a health hub. And now still, I think has, you know, but there's a lot of cool, interesting healthcare providers out here and a health a like, like-minded community, but that For came, sure. yeah, that, that time. I love it. So, you know, the podcast is called the art of being well, this is your art of being well, this is Carson's art of being well. Are you up for this formidable challenge? Oh, yes. Okay. So first question, what's the worst tasting healthy food that you still have it? You still eat it, but it's not because it tastes good, but because it's so good for you. Oh my gosh. This is such a good question. Okay. I, I'm going to cheat a little because I actually don't eat it that much, but I would because I, I do that. Like I'm like healthy. I can stomach it. I say natto, nato. Yes. Natto, oh. fermented soybeans. It tastes horrible. Oh. It's the worst. It but smells like, smells horrible too. It's disgusting. But I have to say, like, I actually can, I like everything. Like I love liver. I love like fishy stuff. So I'm, I can't think of anything else because I really, I'm such an adventurous eater, but for some reason that is like, ugh. Yeah. It's a great vegan source of vitamin K2. One of the only vegan yeah. sources of vitamin K2. And you know, so yeah, definitely it's good, especially if you're more plant-based, it's a good food to bring in. Yeah, I'd have to admit, I don't eat it a lot, but I've definitely, whenever I see it at the grocery store, I'm like, I should get this. Like, <laughs> it's so good for it's me. It's like stringy and gooey yeah. and yeah, all the things. What are the, what are, what are two supplements that have been the biggest game changers for you personally? Oh man, it's hard to just do two because I, I do take a lot of supplements. Take us through your routine. Like what are the core needle movers for you personally? It doesn't have to be. Yeah, good. I mean, I think magnesium is like, I always say that's like, it's, I'm like a broken record. My clients are like, I have this like magnesium, magnesium. <laughs> that like has really helped my digestion. I'm in pregnancy. You know, I think like getting Charlie horses, leg cramps, all of that sleep. So I love magnesium. I like it topically in baths. That would probably be like my number one vitamin D. I just tend to be low in. So that one's an important mm -hmm. one to me. 
I recently, I would love your perspective on this. If you have a moment, but you know, I think iron is so complicated, especially in pregnancy. And so I recently started liver pills, even though I do eat a lot of organ meat mm-hmm. because I've just heard so many mixed things and I am mindful not to do too much of the synthetic iron. Yeah, I do. Yeah. That uh, food is first there and yeah. you're right. You should definitely want to be measuring your levels and not overdoing it and looking at inflammation markers because it can be hard on the system. So I prefer getting it through foods and see if we can get there. And then there are some whole food based, even organ ma- meat based one. There's one from ancient supplements. I, I forget the brand name. It, yeah. Yeah. It's called blood vitality that some patients like that. And it's doesn't have the same sort of harsh irritation that some of the synthetic irons can have. Yeah, that's something I just started recently because, you know, pregnancy or blood volume increases. And I'm a huge meat eater. Like I do a lot of organ meats. And so I was really surprised that I was lower in ferritin. And so that's been something I'm adding and then boosting that with vitamin C to help the absorption, selenium and zinc. I've always, not always, but have taken because I had Hashimoto's. And so that was something that was helpful. And then the B vitamins, it gives you so much energy, but this, this I noticed, and I think it's the B vitamins. When I do eat organ meats, I get a little high. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> all these, the buzz. The full, full A, B12, plus all the minerals and yeah. vitamin A, you're getting so much stuff there. Yeah. And then the choline, which I, I love eggs. So I feel like I get plenty through there, but I can be a little bit reactive to them. I just get, I'm prone to allergies and skin stuff. And so sometimes I'll take a choline supplement if I'm not, but I, I think like you said food base is always best and eggs are such a healthy, easy thing. Yeah, for sure. I love it. This is some great supplements for sure. What's your dream vacation if you had to pick? Ooh, I I love the beach. We just went to Mexico with the family and it was so nice to just be in the, in the warm water. So being in the ocean. And then when I was 15, I went to Kenya to Africa. I haven't been back, but that was by far the most just incredible transformative trip of my life. So I would love to go back one day. That's beautiful. My wife used to live in Uganda, actually, and she says the same thing. I've never been there with her. And it's one of my like bucket lists. I have to go. And everyone I know that goes to anywhere, any country in Africa, but it's that region specifically, like Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, that area. I really want to make it there. Oh, it's, you will love it. It was, it was hard. I mean, I only went for a week or two, mm-hmm. but I remember coming back to LA and just being sad. Like you realize you're like, this is, we're living such different realities, but yeah. to be immersed in nature and it's really right. found. Right. And then you, I, I see this a lot too, where this well-intentioned, but sort of American, they're going to go and, and quote unquote, save these people, but they go and they're the ones that end up being saved because of this. Thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, the people that have nothing, but are just living such joyful lives. Not that there isn't real humanitarian things to give them and, and pr- provide basic supplies, but beyond that, they don't need all the material junk to make them happy. No. And, and I think this, this could be a whole other podcast topic, but we're the ones that need help in a lot yeah. of ways. I mean, yeah, again, it's not black and white. It's not one or the other. It's not, you know, there, there, of course, there are ways that we can be supportive of one another, but I, you know, you, yeah, you go there and you realize that what we think here is making it success, health, mm-hmm. happiness, really backwards. Yeah, it is. What's a spiritual practice or a mindfulness practice that has really helped you out with your health journey? Mm, I started doing TM in college and I, I really love that. But more recently, I, I went to a, a retreat in New Mexico called Antara and began chanting. And mm-hmm. that I found in my pregnancy specifically was really helpful. I don't know what it was, but my meditation practice changed a little bit in my pregnancy and it was harder for me to drop in through TM and chanting and vocalizing that way was something that I was able to kind of connect to easier. So I, I've been loving that. And just listening to, yeah, listening through my meditation has been different in pregnancy. I love it. So what, what type of chanting? I mean, could people, is there something online that people could go and, and integrate that into their life? Yeah. I mean, it's something that I, I listen to. I mean, some people have them kind of, you know, know them well, but Jan, the, the teacher at Antara, who you can look up and she actually offers a like at home retreat, which is quite affordable. And, it's a two-day silent retreat, but then you can continue to listen to the chants. That has been something that I've been 
following because she, I mean, her voice is so beautiful and she plays music along with it. And that was something I really missed when I was there. I got to experience but wanted to take home. So I think enough of her like students or visitors had been like, please record something. And so she has. And so it's on the website and that's, that's what I listen to. But of course you can Google or, you know, look yeah. up Vedic Chance. Yeah, Vedic chance. I, well, I hosted Goopfella's podcast for Goop. We had a, a researcher on, I forget her name. It, she had a book out, but she was really, they were, there's institutes in India doing the research of sound therapy and using these chants, these ancient chants, yeah. and how it can really change someone's physiology, actually can change someone's overall health makeup. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's fascinating. Yeah. That's something that she's shared with me and that it doesn't be these, the, the tones, the chants are so sacred. It doesn't really matter if you know what the, the translation is, the tones themselves are, are healing and sacred. And yeah, there's so much transformation potential. Just yeah, so. for sure. What's the weirdest wellness thing that you've done that you're willing to admit on a <laughs> podcast? And I realize Weird is relative, but for you personally, anything that you, you've tried that you were like, yeah, that was pretty weird. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. There's some, there's some things that might not even be able to share, <laughs> but it also depends on who your audience is, right? Yeah, like, some I know that, yeah. like we probably don't think are weird at all. Like most people are like, you do what? But I did like before getting pregnant, I did a pretty extensive detoxing protocol and even things like IVs, getting lymphatic massage, you know, like the reflexology. Like, again, I don't think they're weird at all, but you know, I, some doctors are like, why are you sharing this with me? Like, you're like, no, no, this was, this is what I count as like a huge part of my healthcare. That was really transformative. Yeah. I guess I'll, I'll leave it at, <laughs> yeah, we'll, at that. We'll leave it at IVs. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell me afterwards what the real, what the real answer is. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite way to get a great night's sleep? I mean, we know that can happen during pregnancy, but even if someone's not pregnant, like any pro tips? This might be something that's considered a, a weirder thing, but it's it's been really helpful for me. I got a kill switch installed in a switch upstairs so I didn't have to go turn the breakers off. And at night I press a button next to my bed and it turns off all the electricity in the house. So we can't, like we couldn't turn on the lights or anything if we wanted to without, but the button makes it more convenient than having to go to your Right. you know, utility room, but that has made sleep so sound. There's no electrical currents kind of going through, you know, where I sleep or right by the wall. And I, I have to say, I've noticed a huge difference in my sleep. Amazing. I mean, you think about this, we're constantly exposed to EMFs and yeah. it's always going, 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 especially you're sleep, sleeping with the phone right next to you. So you shutting down everything, you just leave the phone away from you and turn it off. Like, what's that look like? Oh yeah, my phone. I try and keep out of my room, and I'm I'm not. I should not be talking about phone use because I'm fully addicted and <laughs> really bad. But I do keep it out of the bedroom at night, which is important. We turn off the Wi-Fi, but this technically the phone could still work because it you know goes to the cell signal. But yeah, the yeah nothing else like no lights, no no electricity is, and you can hear it's so wild. We don't realize room tone and electrical mm. tone. Cause we were around it all day long, but once yes. you the switch, it's like a new sense of silence. Yes. Yeah. It's like a deeper stillness. Yeah. And we had someone come out here actually to do an EMF reading of the house. And he had us lay in the bed and like, I don't know, hold all these machines that I have no idea what they do, but he was showing us how the electrical current was really high around our bed and was coming through, you know, we can, we we're conducting mm -hmm. that current. Yeah. So. And look, you mentioned Hashimoto's. I find that our patient, like my people that I spend the most time with, they have these different methylation gene variants and HLA gene variants and different confluence of factors. They tend to be almost a canary in the coal mine for the rest of their family because they are more highly sensitive people to reading yeah. energy fields and reading just about anything, both phys physically and mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So it's not healthy for anybody. You're just probably, you're probably more in tuned with those exposures compared to the average person. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, do you ever go to Starbucks? And if you go to Starbucks, what's your order? I don't anymore. My boyfriend's such a coffee snob. So I think he would you guys are you guys like crunchy <laughs> we're crunchy, crunchy coffee yeah. people but i was raped my mom like when i think of 
she would get the big size green tea, iced tea, which was not bad. You know, just iced tea and water. And she would get extra ice and she would milk it all day. And it was like, you never saw her without it. So I get nostalgic thinking about that drink. And so if I were to go, it would be that because it's actually, I mean, it's one of the best green teas you can get. It's so delicious. And so that's like the healthier choice that I was glad that that's what I was exposed to when she could have been getting a big Frappuccino, but yeah, (laughs) she was a full addict of that Starbucks, specifically the Starbucks green tea. tea. I'll tell you what, man, that you and I, I want to meet your mom because I feel like her and I have a lot of common. We have biodynamic (laughs) farms. I want to, that's my goal and a big old green tea. I don't care if it's, if it's, it's, you're right. It's not organic, but it is, if I'm traveling or if I'm at, want to stop at a Starbucks, that's what I get. A big Trenta black tea or green tea, but oh, green tea with the lemongrass. Yeah. So good. See, I will typically get light ice because I want to enjoy the tea. I don't want it diluted as much. Oh, really? I'm, my mom, she might have a deficiency there because the ice thing is like <laughs> out of control. <laughs> like, what, is, what do they say if you crave ice? Yeah, <laughs> iron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, like it was like, it was in, every time we're at a restaurant, it's like, wait, more ice, more ice. But yeah, I, I get it. I like that. But it's there's something, it's funny where we really do learn from our parents of yeah. what like, yeah. which is talk about health so important, but I, yeah, I it's, it's memory. It's, it's like you said, it's stored in the body. There's scent memory. There's taste memory. All of that stuff is yeah. very fascinating. Do you know what Myers-Briggs you are or Enneagram you are? Oh my gosh. Yes. I oh Shoot. I'm so bad at this. I mean, I feel like I do it all the time and then I forget the number <laughs> for the Enneagram. I think I want to, I don't want to say the wrong one, but I want to say six maybe. Okay. Could that I'm be not- yeah, six is six is one of the Enneagram numbers. I'm not an Enneagram expert. I just wonder if, what okay. people are when I meet them. But they're, they're sort of, I know that the Enneagram six is their animal, like a, a description, like the, the animal that sort of yeah. exemplifies their qualities is a deer. So take that for what it's worth. I didn't know that. Yes. I'm sure cool. you can get different answers, but what I've been told is a six is a deer. Do you know what Myers-Briggs you are? No, which is fine. I don't even know what Myers-Briggs is, and That's I feel the, like the I should. The INTJ, the, e, the introvert, extrovert, there's letter acronyms for different aspects of someone's personality. Okay, I'm going to go do it when we get yeah, off. We'll, we'll circle back on that <laughs> one. If you could only use one skincare product, and it could be yours too, I, I really want you to know, like for you, like you're, you mentioned not using lots of skincare products anyways, but one skincare product, what would that be? Yeah, I think it would be the, the glow oil. I mean, this, our scrub is so popular and so unlike anything else and amazing, but the oil is hair, face, and body. And so I guess if it's like, you know, I'm on a desert island and I get one, <laughs> then <laughs> I like that one because it's, yeah, you can do it all with it. Love it. And it's like a perfume. So Perfect. So what's a book that you've read in the past year? It could be fiction, nonfiction that's really inspired you. Ooh, another great one. I read a lot, but I have to say it's it's bad. I don't do a lot of fiction reading, which is one of my one of my goals. My intentions is to read more, more fiction. But I did just read this book called I Remember Union. Don't know if you're familiar I'm not. with. It's a story of Mary Magdalene. Oh. One of the yeah. of her. And there's a really beautiful chapter on birth. So someone had recommended it to me in preparation for birth from a different, you know, usually I'm reading doula books that are more the, <laughs> you know, heady space, but this one's just a really beautiful birth depiction from, you know, Mary Magdalene was kind of like doodling this birth. That's beautiful. And What's the name of it again? Called I Remember Union. I have to check that out. That sounds amazing. I love historical fiction sort of books, right? It's like based off of what we know about them and spins off of that. Yeah. And this one's really, you know, challenges so many of, I, I haven't read a lot of books on the topic, but it challenges so many of these ideas and judgments and stereotypes we have around her. Oh culture. my goodness. Yes. Mary, I, I've read a lot about her and the stigma of her whole life over and how the church really did a lot to kind of scar her name, but I'm glad it's being reclaimed, I think, with more modern works. Yeah. Yeah. My friend, where can people go to learn about your amazing work? We'll put all the links in the show notes for people at drwillcore.com, but where can they go to maybe follow you on social media and to order these amazing products? 
Yeah, so my Instagram is CC Meyer. That's kind of more my doula work. And then C in the Moon, which is just the letter C, is for the products. And that's seeinthemoon.com. And then my doula website is Carson Meyer.com. And that's where you can yeah, find some of my classes that I offer and all that fun stuff. Love it. My friend, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. This was such a joy. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.